Well, welcome to week two of our six-part sermon series on Covenant Sacred Promises. Last week, Father Bob did a great job of walking us through uh, the scripture verse, Acts 2.42, the one where we learn of the importance of continuing in the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and the breaking of bread and in the prayers on the first question in our baptismal covenant. Today, we're going to look at the next question in that baptismal covenant that we make with God. Will you persevere in resisting evil and whenever you sin, repent and return to the Lord? As we turn to this question, I, I want to remind us all that earlier in the baptism service, a part called the examination, there's a series of three questions that are asked of the candidates, parents, godparents, and sponsors. And these questions are, do you renounce Satan and all the spiritual forces of wickedness that rebel against God? I renounce them. Do you renounce the evil powers of this world which corrupt and destroy the creatures of God? I renounce them. Do you renounce all sinful desires that draw you from the love of God? I renounce them. The questions in the covenant echo these three in the examination, if not outright repeat them. And so I started to think about why is that? The first idea that I came up with is only those who are about to be baptized or their sponsors answer the first set of three questions. Everyone else is silent during that part of the liturgy. And I understand the reason and the importance of the decision. We don't want to baptize people or have people serve as godparents if they can't renounce those things that are not of God. So then I was talking to my wife, Allison, about this sermon, and she reminded me that the examination, those series of questions there, they're some of the oldest texts in our Book of Common Prayer. So perhaps the reason that these questions are asked is simply because it's been important for our tradition to do so from the very beginning. And when the baptismal covenant was added to the 1979 prayer book, the authors thought it was critical to retain that examination. Why then do we repeat those questions in, will you persevere in resisting evil, and whenever you fall into sin, repent and return to the Lord? I wonder, is it to make sure that everyone who's gathered for the baptism has a chance to renew their commitment? My second thought was, yeah, I think that's right. But also, renouncing those things that are not of God is so important that we need to hear and speak those words twice. You see, the world is still full of the forces of wickedness, full of evil things that corrupt and destroy God's creation, still full of sinful desires that can draw us away from the love of God. In the Lord's Prayer, we ask God to deliver us from evil. But how do we understand evil in the world? Where does it come from? And how can we not just avoid it, but even resist? My wife, Allison, and I have this ongoing theological conversation about evil in the world. That's what you do when you're married to another priest. She does not believe that a personified being of evil exists, but rather that evil comes from the actions of human beings when they are seeking to do what is not of God. I, on the other hand, do believe that there is some fallen angel, Satan or the devil, if you will, who does personify evil, but 
that his powers are very limited. Maybe that of an angel can't be everywhere at once, and he's been defeated through Jesus' death and resurrection. So if you ever encounter the devil, you need not be in fear. There's this great little story about a man who was awoken suddenly in the middle of the night, and he sat up and he looked at the foot of his bed, and standing before him was the devil. And he said, oh, it's only you. And he rolled over and went back to sleep. I think that for Christians who are firm and strong and growing in their faith, we need not fear any evil in any form. Remember Jesus' temptation by the devil? We heard actually last week in Mark's gospel, Satan offers Jesus three things that he thinks Jesus wants and needs, bread, power, the testing of God's protection of him. Each of these things had the potential to be evil in this setting because accepting any of them would have caused separation from Jesus away from the love of God. Well, how do you and I know that evil is present among us? Oftentimes the Holy Spirit will give us a nudge and we'll get this icky feeling. One of the reasons that I do not enjoy most horror movies or really dark heavy metal music is because while most of the people who create and enjoy this content don't really think that has any spiritual influence on our lives, I'm pretty sure that it actually does. Y'all may have heard me say this before, but my mother's mother, my Oma, used to tell us that it matters what we put into our brain. Of course, we can filter any entertainment and the content that we take in, but it's much easier to grow in healthy thinking and acting if we are deliberate about putting in the good, holy things and keeping out the junk. Now, resisting goes beyond just avoiding evil. And because of the power of Jesus, that we need not fear anything, we can work diligently to do the good that God has laid out for us. Many of you will remember Edward Burke's famous quote, all that is needed for the forces of evil to succeed is for enough good people to remain silent. As followers of Jesus, we cannot remain silent. We must speak and act against the evil being done in our world. Human trafficking, racism in all of its forms, the exploitation of children, the destruction of our natural resources in the name of convenience, the killing of wild animals to harvest their body parts for folk remedies. These are just a few examples of the evil being done in our world that we have promised to resist in our baptismal covenant. In our Men of St. Michael book study this winter, Brennan Manning reminds us that Christianity does not deny the reality of suffering and evil. And because of this reality, in our baptism, we promise to resist evil and suffering. And through the strength of Christ, we have the power to do so. Now, in addition to resisting evil, we also promise that we will repent and return. So if we understand that a sin is anything that causes separation between us and God or between us and other people, then the question is not if we will fall into sin, but rather what we will do when we fall into sin. 
I confess that I've had a few experiences in my lifetime of feeling so separated from God because of my own thoughts and actions that I actually felt ill, sin sick, if you will. There's a temptation at the low and lonely points of life to tell yourself over and over that you're not worthy of God's love and to wallow in sin and shame. But what we need to do whenever we sin, when we cause hurt and separation from God and from others, is to repent and return to the Lord. And repentance begins by stopping the things that are causing separation. You and I must first stop our sinful behavior. It's not enough to pause it, ask for forgiveness, and then go right back to the bad behavior. Once we stop turning away from those things that are not of God, we can begin to turn towards God to receive forgiveness and restoration. Ultimately, this is what God wants for each of us, to be in an intimate, full, committed relationship with God. This is God's hope in creation, in the calling of Israel to be God's chosen people, in the covenant relationship that God makes with creation after the flood, with Abraham, and ultimately through Jesus. God never causes the separation, never causes us to sin. There is evil in the world, the things that work against God's plan, but they are not of God because God is love. I do think that sometimes God's love feels a little bit like discipline, but it's never a testing to determine whether we are worthy of God's love. The loving discipline of God is like the loving discipline that parents have for their children in order that they can grow up strong and independent and wise and faithful. God's loving discipline for us has that same effect. And as important as our own repentance and returning is in our relationship with God, it's also vital for our relationships with one another. In the Lord's Prayer, we ask God to forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. We're reminded every time we pray to forgive the sins of other people, perhaps even as a condition for our own forgiveness. Because God's hope for us is that we will all thrive together as one beloved community. It doesn't do us much good to be forgiven by God and then to hold on to grudges and hatred towards others. You all remember the, the parable that Jesus told about the unforgiving servant? He owed his master an unbelievable amount of money, like billions of dollars. And the king ordered him to pay, but as he couldn't, he, he begged for forgiveness. And as soon as the gracious king canceled his debt, the servant runs out and begins to demand payment from those who owed him much, much smaller sums of money. And when the king learns that this unforgiving servant, he says this, you wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow slave as I had mercy on you? Should we not have mercy on our fellow brothers and sisters as God has had mercy on us? My friends, resisting evil and repenting of our sins includes forgiving anyone who has sinned against us. Who knows? Perhaps through your forgiveness of others, you will help them return to the Lord. 
Jesus says, I tell you in the same way that there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. As we consistently resist the evil of the world, repent of our sins, and return to the arms of our loving God, that's the place that we should always be, the place we should dwell in, in comfort and healing and peace. Returning to God's loving embrace is like a hot shower after loss of power and water for a few days. We make these covenant promises in our baptism not because God needs anything from us, but to ensure that we understand how we can live in right relationship with God and with each other. When we live into these covenant promises, we're being faithful followers of Jesus, striving to do God's good work in the world to create and sustain the beloved community. Will you persevere in resisting evil and whenever you sin, repent and return to the Lord? I will, with God's help. Let us pray. Gracious and holy God, we thank you for calling us and adopting us as your children through our baptism. We pray, Lord, that you would give us the strength to believe in your power, the comfort to repent and return into your loving arms. Help us show by our example the love you have for us that extends to all of your creation. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.